How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. To the KISS hotline bling, it is Dave Blaustein, formerly ABC News reporter, and was doing exactly that when it was the Woodstock 99 weekend in Rome, New York. Good morning, Dave. It's been a minute. How are you? Good morning, Nick. Yes, I, I remember that. <laughs> you do remember I remember, yeah. You were an intern here way back when. Was it the Sunday night show you joined up on, or I can't remember when, how you started here, um, way back at Buff State? Uh, yes, uh, well, I interned. I, I worked for KB Radio, and I, I was actually an employee of KISS 98.5. <laughs> I did a feature called KISS on Campus. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a, that's yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was the start of what is an awesome broadcast career, and we were yeah, so I happy would, to – I, I, I yeah. Loved our time together. I had so much fun with you in the studio, and then you went off and did great things. And then, you know, flash forward a couple of years, and I'm scrolling through Netflix. I put on what looks like an interesting documentary, and I see you, and I'm like, what the what? Blaustein! <laughs> Trainwreck. Yeah, and- yep. mm-hmm. Trainwreck Woodstock 99 is the documentary. Tell me how you got involved with this thing. Well, Nick, it started a long time ago in the borough of Brooklyn, New York. I was just a <laughs> gleam in my... No. Well, really, if, I'm gonna, if we're going to trace it back, it mm-hmm. has a lot to do with you. I mean, you were the first person to ever put me on the air, by the way, when you did your Sunday night alternative show. Remember, we sat in the studio with Joey Ramone. I'll, I'll never forget that. You uh, were we starstruck, dude. You were starstruck with the, the now late Joey Ramone. Uh, yeah, I just think about it, and it renders me speechless. Listen, see? See? I was speechless. I'm still speechless. So as far as far as Woodstock 99 is concerned, you know, that was my first major event that I covered as a reporter at at ABC News Radio. They had just hired me two years earlier. I was super anxious. I was very nervous. I probably had a little bit of imposter syndrome. And uh, then it, it turned out to be, uh, well, well, you told me before that I can't curse, so I won't say exactly what it was. But, mm-hmm. but note that the title of the, of the series is Trainwreck, Woodstock 99. And Trainwreck was actually not the title. It was something else with an expletive in it. And they released, uh, they released all the branding. They released the trailer. They released the media clips with the original name. And then probably about nine or ten days before it dropped, uh, high up executive at Netflix said we're no longer going to have expletives in our titles. <laughs> so they changed the name at the last minute. And if anybody out there has seen it or if you haven't seen it, um, not to pat myself on the back or anything, but but I'm like a key uh, I'm a key part of the first three minutes and they give me the title like I say the title of the whole series and i actually said something else and i had to go to a studio in boston just to record the word train wreck 
it's funny because you actually do get you get a lot of FaceTime, which is great because you're you're you work well on the camera. But the the line kerosene match, boom, that belongs to you as well. And I think that's the title of one of those three episodes. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, and thank you for pointing that out. Also, the title of the the first episode is a quote from me, but you can't we can't say that on on the radio uh, either. <laughs> in case your your listeners haven't guessed, I have a little bit of body mouth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but in all seriousness, Woodstock '99 was what uh, was an important event for me. But a, a ter- as far as my career is concerned, but that's but that's nothing because I think it really messed up a lot of people. That situation devolved into something pretty awful and chaotic at the end, and I think some lives were were literally ruined. You had women who were sexually harassed and abused, um, and that that's clearly something that. Someone who has to live with that thinks about that every day of their lives. Mm-hmm. And then you have a few people who died as well. Uh, I actually know a musician, a fairly well-known musician, a rock musician, who uh, has told me multiple times that he has PTSD, and this is a person who's played on stage at festivals in front of 150,000 people, but he can't go into a crowd anymore specifically because of his experience at Woodstock 99. Is it a member of Corn? Uh, no, I think they have no problem with that. Okay. Um, right. But it's not. I'll, t- I'll tell you off the air if you want to Okay. Know. All right. We'll keep that private. Um, yes. So I watched it, and I remember that weekend. I don't remember it being that bad. I remember I didn't go. I was going to go mm-hmm. and then didn't, and I'm glad I didn't, but what a ridiculous show, and that could have been a good title for the the original yeah yeah for woodstock 99 so you were so at one point you get in the mosh pit and i think it was day one or day two you're actually in the mosh pit which i thought was pretty that was i'm like that's total blaustein get right in there with Uh your recorder and Uh get what you can how was it for you to be because you weren't watching just from the sidelines you immersed yourself in the crowd how did that feel at the time well, you know something, it's interesting because when you do something like this, and you know because you're a public figure, uh, you are susceptible to criticism, So, which I have no problem with. I was a movie critic for ABC News Radio for a long time, so a lot of people like to critique the critics, <laughs> so I'm used to that. And, you know, I've gotten like a little bit, a little bit of pushback, like, you know, just like sarcasm. Ooh, he went into a pit. Or somebody was like, oh, this was the first pitch he ever went into. And Nick, <laughs> as you just intimated, because you, you know me, by the time I got to Woodstock 99, I, I was 26 years old. I don't know how many pits I had been in in my life. And I just thought, for, for me, remember I said at the beginning that I thought maybe I had a little bit of imposter syndrome and I wanted to prove myself. Mm-hmm. I had seen a lot of the other radio reporters there, and I knew that nobody was going into a pit with a TV camera. So I was just thinking, hey, you know, this is going to be something unique to me that I could offer the, the my employers that nobody else is going to get. So to go into the pit, you know, at, at 26 year, years old, you, I mean, you know, kind of how you are. You feel like you're on top of the world. I, I felt indestructible. And, you know, it, it was really interesting being in that pit. It was a dangerous, chaotic uh, situation. And, you know, there's obviously a lot that's going to be on the cutting room floor, but I, I saw some bad stuff in there. And I think something that is in the doc series is I followed a woman who got hit in the head with a glass bottle and was bleeding pretty badly. Security grabbed her, what little security there, there was at the event. Mm-hmm. And they pulled her into like, like sort of a, a medical area 
in the back backstage to the side of the area, and I snuck back there. I followed them. I reported on it. I actually got into a back and forth with John Schur at, at the press conference the next day. Um, they had that footage. I thought they were going to use it, but instead they chose to use me more as a as a narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it, it was a pretty hairy and bad situation. And I think that if you watch this, it's definitely a cautionary tale. But I would also urge people, I think people see this and they see the fire festival thing and they think that music festivals are, are, are really terrible and bad. And, and like anything else in life, when you have a lot of people and there's music that's a lot of high energy, it could be a little dangerous. But if the organizers know what they're doing, and I would say 90% of the time they do, uh, it's always a good time. You know, I, I hate that, it, that something like this would sully music or live music. I mean, that, oh, that bothers me a little bit, but this is a story that needed to be told. Did you like your experience on there once you've seen it? And this is, this is a very viewed thing. Like, this is one of the top things on Netflix. It's Trainwreck, the Woodstock 99 story. When it went out there and, and you saw it like on your screen at home or whatever, what did you think of seeing yourself on this documentary? What I thought is <clears throat> I probably should have taken my shirt off. I think there should have been more skin. Um, well, you, you know, again, it's a really, it's a fascinating experience. And mm. I feel really lucky to have had it because I recognize that not a lot of people get a chance like this. But you also know when you sit down to do an interview like this, you have no idea how much you're going to get used. You don't yeah. know if you're going to get used at all. You don't, you know, you might sit for six or seven hours and you might get used for 15 seconds. But, you know, the, the producers and the, and the director was telling me all along that they planned on using me a lot, which was nice. And once I saw it, I, I mean, it's definitely I don't know how to describe it. You know, it's, it's the cliche. It's, it's uh, surreal. And that's what it, that's how I felt. And that's kind of how I still feel. And I mean, that's the, the best way to articulate it, I guess. Did you ever feel like you were in danger, danger, like life in danger? Because you stayed there right until the Monday, like you were there until the whole thing was over. And then the next day, did you ever feel like you were in trouble, maybe going to get swallowed up by a mob? I felt like I was Harvey danger. I felt like I was a flagpole sitter. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Um, I, uh, <laughs> terrible reference. Um, I, never, I never really felt like I was in danger. I think what, what I said before was uh, at that time I was feeling pretty invincible. And, right. you know, I was, I, I was, in, I was in good shape. Um, I also had, had lived at 26 years old. I think I had lived a lot of life at that point, And I had seen some really bad things. So uh, I knew how to handle myself. I, I wasn't, ex- uh, you know, we weren't necessarily expecting it to devolve into what it did. I mean, there were those signs. And, you know, I was actually there with a pretty seasoned journalist who knew how to handle things. So I felt like I was in good hands. But I never felt like I was in danger, like I was in danger. And you know what? In hindsight, I was in a pretty dangerous situation. You know, the scene where the sound, sound tower falls. Yeah. Um, the reason why I'm in that scene is because I was there and I saw it. I actually recorded it and that audio wound up all over the country. I did what's called a roser in the news business, which just means I, I, I hit record and was narrating what was going on and you could hear the tower fall. And that, that was a pretty scary situation, I suppose, in hindsight. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't feel scared at the time. I actually felt like what was going on was absolutely ridiculous. And I think at one point I almost found it funny. And the next day, one of my friends called me. He's like, I heard you on the radio and you sounded like you were stoned. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't stoned. I, okay. I just thought it was ridiculous. 
Dave, so we see in the documentary on Netflix, we see the organizers, uh, the original Woodstock guy, and then uh, Shear, the, the promoter for Metropolitan. They don't seem to take any responsibility for the bad stuff. Do you think they were trying to sugarcoat it, or were they, like, what do you think of what they said after, not only then, but now, after the event? They really trying to gloss it over. What were your thoughts? Well, that's exactly what they were trying to do. And in real time, it was as if they were existing in another dimension, on another plane, in another universe, because the festival that they were talking about during the press conferences did not mirror what was actually going on on the ground. And, you know, for John Schur, this was very much a money-making venture. I mm-hmm. think that Jamie Crawford, the director of the documentary, does a very good job of showing you that he doesn't he doesn't tell you that he shows you these things and does a great job of showing you these things showing you the things that john sure said then and says now and what michael lang said then and what michael lang says now mm-hmm. and yeah there's there's no culpability as far as john sure <laughs> is concerned he takes no responsibility he blames everybody else but himself but the buck stops there really i mean th- this is mostly uh, Schur's fault and Lang's fault, and at least to Michael Lang's credit, uh, he talked about that. He said, you know, we were really responsible for everybody there. John Schur, no such thing. You know, he's just worried about protecting the bottom line. And, you know, there are people who blame Limp Biscuit, and, you know, that, that was a pretty... That was a pretty good uh, set piece in, in the documentary, and, you know, you mentioned that I was part of that kerosene match. Boom. And, uh, yeah, you know, Limp Biscuit, Fred Durst, he 100% incited that crowd. There's no doubt. I mean, and I will tell you, and people don't like to hear this, um, because I actually like Limp Biscuit. I liked, I was into new metal. Um, I still am. I can still say I am. But, you know, undoubtedly, uh, that, that moment was too big for Fred Durst, and he, he had the power, he had the power to stop it. He had the power to calm the crowd down. Uh, he didn't do that. That's not the reason why everything devolved Sunday night, but mm-hmm. it sure contributed to it. But ultimately, in the end, it's the organizer's fault. It's cool that you were there and covered it, and it was nice to see you. A nice surprise in the documentary. The documentary is called Trainwreck Woodstock 99. It's on Netflix if you subscribe. And Dave Blaustein, uh, former KISS employee, intern, and now off to great things. Where do we catch you now? What are you up to? Uh, right here. I, I mean, you just have to go to uh, the KISS 98.5 website and keep playing this interview over and over again. <laughs> we'll do that. Dave, it was super fun to catch up with you. Um, I'm glad you you're doing great me. things. And it was really fun to see you on the documentary. I'm like, it's like, oh, I know that, dude. So, it's like uh, full circle. And, yeah. and again, Nick, like none of it would have would have never happened if it wasn't for you. So thank you. Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. It's it's not for everybody because there is language. Uh, there's a naked bass player with the red hot chili peppers fleas out there, like full, <laughs> yeah. full on naked. And then yeah, just and it, it's it's not for little eyes and little ears. Yeah, yeah. I told like you know I, I had to tell my eight year old daughter that she she wasn't allowed to watch this, and you know that's uh, that was a pretty big deal because she knows I'm oh. I'm on Netflix, but you know she's yeah. not going to be able to watch it for a few years. Oh, you're legit now, Dad. Woo on Netflix. Yeah, imagine. Wow. Yeah. Last thing, it's so fun to catch up with you. Thanks for talking to Kiss 98.5. Thanks, Nick. Take care. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.